What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to the show. Today, we are diving back into another Q&A style podcast episode. So thank you to everybody who asked a question on my Instagram this past week. I truly do appreciate that. I, I do enjoy doing that. And I saved a handful of questions here that I, I wanted to answer on the podcast. I believe I answered most if not all of these questions already this week. So if you follow me on Instagram, you've probably seen some answers to some of these questions already, but there was a few that I wanted to just uh, uh, touch on today. Now, before I kind of ask a few of these questions, I've, uh, I don't know, I, I caught myself thinking like before I hit record today, like, do I start uh, shouting out the name or the, the Instagram handle of the person who asked the question? And for some reason, I keep coming back to this place of like, no, like I don't want to do that. I I might be thinking too far into this um, and maybe it's just me being kind of conditioned and trained as like a dietitian to, uh, you know, really uh, uphold the kind of HIPAA standard that, you know, we're taught in our schooling and, and as we're like brought into like the working world, so to speak, and uh, HIPAA, if, if people aren't familiar with that, it's just like a uh, patient, like confidentiality, like, um, the people who receiving treatment are entitled to confidentiality when it comes to their healthcare and their treatment plan and X, Y, and Z. Now I realize that I can see the people asking these questions and there is a difference of doing a Q and a on a fucking podcast episode compared to like being in a hospital setting and working with the, with the patient there. So I, I, as I talk about this now, I, I definitely think I'm overthinking it, but I, I'm going to keep it anonymous in the sense like I'm not going to shout out the name or the handle of whoever's um, asking these questions because I, I kind of respect personal privacy. And again, I might be overthinking this, but I found myself thinking like, hey, should I, should I say some of these names or not? <sighs> I decided not to. Anyway, let's get into it. The first question we have here is, what's the deal with coconut oil? I see conflicting things on IG, on blood work, energy, et cetera, et cetera. So, uh, coconut oil, I'm, I'm, it's kind of been a, um, I hate to say like a health craze or even a fad. Um, but it's, uh, really caught a lot of attention here. I would say maybe in the last five years, especially with kind of like the low carb crowd, uh, even keto crowd as well. Um, coconut oil has definitely been like a trending topic, uh, sort of speak. And, I think this is a good question because it, it asks two questions, right? It's like, wh- what does it do to your blood work and then for energy? Because um, those are two things that I honestly would bring up when talking about coconut oil in general. Now, um, from what we know in the literature, from a blood work perspective here, is that uh, it, coconut in general is a really concentrated source of saturated fat, uh, for those of you who didn't know. And what we've seen in research studies is that coconut oil can raise your LDL cholesterol, which is like, quote unquote, your bad cholesterol. Um, now, if we compare cholesterol, or I'm sorry, if we compare coconut oil to um, uh, butter consumption when we're looking at some of these cholesterol markers, Coconut oil does not raise your LDL as much as something like a butter would. Okay, so if we're comparing the two, coconut oil could be a better alternative to butter if that's something that maybe you're looking to replace. Um, now, if we compare coconut oil to something like olive oil or another type of uh, uh, um, oil, you know, some of these other things aren't as heart healthy because 
again, saturated fat is the primary fat source in coconut oil um, compared to something like a olive oil, extra virgin olive oil. So I would, I would kind of um, tell people to be hesitant to just replace all of their oils with coconut oil for these reasons. Now, if we look at somebody using mostly coconut oil in the context of an overall calorie-controlled balanced diet, um, kind of free from like, uh, and not free from, but you know, limited, uh, ultra processed, like hyper palatable, hyper palatable foods. Um, maybe you're getting enough fiber per day. You're eating enough protein. You're active, you're resistance trading, you're getting enough steps in, you're at a healthy body weight. Like, like is adding coconut oil to that mix going to be the thing that like, you know, kills you or kills your blood work? Like probably not. Okay. So we, again, we have to remember that uh, we have to add context to some of these things. So um, from a blood work standpoint, though, just remember like coconut oil is a is a concentrated source of saturated fat and it has the ability to raise your LDL, which is not a good thing. Now, in terms of energy and energy production, coconut oil contains mostly uh, medium chain triglycerides. You'll see them kind of abbrevi- abbreviated as MCTs, or you, you see them like even at coffee shops and like in the stores or on social media sometimes, um, which MCTs or medium chain triglycerides are essentially just referring to uh, kind of the structure of these triglycerides. There's short, term, or, um, short chain, medium chain, and long chain. Uh, triglycerides, but these MCTs are structurally different from the other two. And because of that, they're more readily absorbed and uh, easier to be converted into energy um, after consuming it if you compare them to the other fat sources that we just talked about. So there is truth to that for sure. And that's kind of uh, one of the you know, hidden secrets, you know, quote unquote, or the superpowers of like coconut oil or uh, getting, you know, oils with like MCTs in them. And that's something that I think has been over glamorized in my opinion. Um, so there is some truth to that. I don't want to like shit on that concept, but, but that is why like coconut oil and, and MCT oil and these things have gained some popularity and why people are like literally, you know, taking spoonfuls of them per day. Now, taking a step back here, we always have to remember that coconut oil, like other oils, cooking oils, all of these types of oils that we see out there are, they're just another uh, concentrated fat source. And just like any other, you know, butter, other fats, like it can be really easy to have a lot of it, um, like and maybe not have a lot of it, but you get more calories per serving than other things, okay? So it's just a very concentrated source of calories. And if you're not being like careful or keeping track and you're just dumping, you know, coconut oil or butter or whatever into your food and your eggs and your coffee and, uh, you know, and your vegetables, like you could be adding a ton of extra calories over the course of the day if you're not keeping track of that. Um, in, in general, like eating any source of concentrated fat can lead to excess calorie intake over time, which isn't what most people need, right? Unless they're like intentionally trying to gain weight and they're implementing some strategies to like get some, you know, more calories in throughout the course of the day, which is not most people. So um, yeah, a lot of caveats here, but in general, I think I think this idea of like coconut oil is a little bit overhyped. It can fit in an overall balanced, healthy lifestyle for sure. 
But a lot of times people, you know, going to the extreme and using these oils, these coconut oils and MCT oils, like sometimes they're just getting a fuck ton of calories and, you know, they think that, hey, I'm cutting out all carbs and doing these things. I'm putting MCT oil in my coffee and yada, yada, yada. And it's like, they're still not losing weight because that's a lot of times, you know, some people's goal, cutting out carbs, doing these, you know, keto and whatever it is. It's like, they try and lose weight, but sometimes people don't lose weight because they're just replacing the carbs that they were eating with just more fat. And, and I've seen people gain weight on keto too, because they're not careful and, and they're not aware of how many calories they're actually consuming. So we just have to put a big asterisk next to that as well. Um, the other thing I would probably list it as a con, unless you love the taste of coconuts, but like when you add coconut to anything, it just weirdly gives all of your food a, a hint of like coconut flavor. And to me, like like I've tried coconut before, right? Uh, or coconut oil. Um, funny story. I've like, I, I tried a paleo diet for a week and that's, that was very uh, heavy in that kind of eating regimen. That was a long time ago. I just, I kind of did it as like a personal experiment. Um, fucking hated it personally. Um, that's a story for another day, but, uh, it just gives a hint of coconut flavor or taste to a lot of the food or things that you eat. So unless you like coconut or love coconut, like chances are you could use other things, um, other oils, uh, even spray oils, avocado oil, olive oil, depending on what you're, you're doing, um, or cooking with those oils. Like, I don't know. Sometimes I, I don't think coconut oil is the best thing for everybody. So yeah, hopefully that answers your question. There is some truth to it being, um, uh, easier to convert, um, these MCTs into energy more quickly, um, which could have some benefits, especially if somebody's like keto or low carb and, you know, they're, they're trying to maintain their energy levels. Um, but from a blood work perspective, we can also see that there is a rise in LDL cholesterol, um, when consuming more or some of these, uh, you know, oils in excess. Okay, cool. Good question on that one. Next question is, general tips for overcoming orthorexia. <sighs> wow. This is, uh, I, I want to talk about this on the podcast cause I, it, it's hard again to articulate so many words to talk about this on like an Instagram, you know, fucking story and, uh, orthorexia for those people who are not aware of it. It's, it's, got, it's a form of an eating disorder. It's like the obsession of eating, uh, super healthy and super clean. And, Honestly, like since being immersed in the health and fitness space, I feel like I've seen this more often than not. And a lot of times undiagnosed and a lot of times people who kind of battle with this like obsession of eating clean and healthy um, and avoiding all the chemicals and bad things out there. Sometimes they don't even realize that it is something that is actually a burden on their life than a benefit in certain cases. Okay. So I just want to throw that out there, but orthorexia, I think has become more common, especially as social media and TikTok and all this shit out there. We're constantly exposed to all this information and fear mongering and, and people just talking shit about perfectly fine or healthy things. Um, there's no wonder people are struggling with like, you know, uh, what, what they should be doing with their nutrition. And then thinking that I only need to be eating grass fed, organic, free range, um, you know, fresh produce, no processed anything um, before you know it, you develop these tendencies to like uh, kind of create this like good or bad food dichotomy in a sense, right? Like you just view foods as good or bad. And, and unfortunately that is something that oftentimes just feeds into this like, um, you know, over compulsive, like uh, um, over obsessive um, need to eat healthy and, and to, to continue to like make all the best choices. So um, to answer this question, I would really, 
kind of alluding to it already, but like social media and the shit that you're constantly exposed to is likely contributing to that or exacerbating some of those feelings already. Um, So if you are not already, please listen to me here. Please stop following and listening to fucking influencers or charlatans and, you know, all of these kind of, you know, quacks on social media and pick a few evidence-based accounts to, to follow and learn from and kind of minimize what you're consuming on a social media front when it comes to like health and fitness, okay? And this is a very difficult thing, again, because from face value, a lot of people think they see doctor or they see, you know, certified holistic nutritionist or they see hormone expert or they see um, fucking detox Debbie, you know, it's like face value. You think these people are doing a lot of good things and they're trying to help you. Um, but there's an infinite amount of those people out there. And those are likely the people who are feeding you these types of, you know, um, uh, this type of information that is contributing to your obsession with only eating clean and healthy and, and all that. So I would really recommend that if you are listening to this, the person that answered this question or anybody in general, like please, please DM me or email me or whatever it is. Um, I always link my, my website um, in the show notes here so you can reach out to me there. Ask me like, dude, Luke, what, what accounts do you recommend following who are evidence-based? I would love to give you a list of five or 10 people that you could add to your social media consumption list and then you know, maybe ideally eliminate the rest of the noise, okay? Now, in that same breath, I also think, especially with people who are recovering or acknowledging that they, hey, maybe there is a problem. I'm battling with this eating disorder, this disordered eating pattern. I have orexia. Um, I do think that, yes, like controlling your consumption of social media can be a big thing. But I also would take that a step further and maybe encourage you or some people to take a break from social media altogether. Um, and again, with the intention of like working through this, working with a healthcare professional or just working, you know, with people who are close to you, who, who, um, you know, you trust and, and you know, they are, uh, uh, kind of on your team, so to speak, I would say stepping away from social media altogether could be an amazing idea. Okay. Because again, I think social media can sometimes exacerbate this fear around food that it just makes people think that they've got to do all these perfect things when, in reality, like you stressing over those things or thinking about some of these things um, are actually doing more harm to your mental health and your physical health than you, um, you know, maybe indulging and in having some of these things and um, not being afraid of every, you know, added sugar or seed oil or fucking chemical or insert whatever thing that you might be afraid of. Um, just understanding it maybe comes from like learning. And again, this might come from like working with somebody or asking for help, uh, and really just helping yourself understand more of the nuances that come with like, you know, being healthy and some of the shit that you see in the health and fitness space. Um, but the fear that you have over some of these things is doing you more harm in a lot of cases than the things um, you're trying to avoid if you were to consume those things, if you're con- consuming a seed oil, whatever it might be. I keep hammering seed oils because that's kind of what's on the top of my head right now. Um, so yeah, I don't know if that helps, but uh, that's kind of my knee-jerk reaction when it comes to people just feeling the need to like, uh, you know, eat organic or avoid seed oils and sugar and uh, again, avoid all the chemicals in food and to be super thin and to have this perfect body image. You know, it's like, 
that's just some of the shit and a lot of the shit that we're constantly exposed to and that we see online, you know, and, you know, usually the people, um, usually the people that are saying a lot of these things again are selling you a product on the back end or selling you their supplement line or, um, are sometimes struggling with their own shit that they refuse to disclose. So I don't know. I just think you got to take everything you read on social media, see on social media, with a grain of salt. And if you are somebody who's battling through this or dealing with any type of eating disorder, obviously work with a, with a healthcare professional that is always going to be an important kind of, uh, step to this process. Like realizing that you don't need to do this and you shouldn't have to do this on your own is something I want you to remember. And again, if you need help finding a therapist or, you know, wherever you are, like, I'd be happy to help if, if that's something that you'd want to discuss. So always feel free to reach out to me, but I feel like I cannot give you solid answers other than like choose carefully of what type of content and things you're consuming online and on social media and maybe even taking a break from that completely. Like those are the two things that I would start with if you are not doing that already. And then next steps would be if you're able to reaching out, having some support, working with a therapist, working with a nutrition coach, um, again, seeking out people who aren't always focused on scaring the shit out of you with their content. I think, I think that's the overarching, uh, thing I'm trying to get at here. So, okay, cool. I'll be done with that question. Next one. Does sparkling water hydrate you the same as regular water? Yes, hundred percent. You can count that towards your daily fluid intake for sure and move on. So if you prefer having a LaCroix or Spindrift or whatever in, you know, sparkling water or flavored water or crystal light or meal like please if you're mixing that with water that's easier for you to drink that water and you hit a target at the end of the day versus you just drinking straight up water i am always going to be an advocate for that so yes uh, very simple question sparkling water will hydrate you the same as like regular water if you're drinking that so you can count that to your total daily intake for the day cool Next question is thoughts on 75 hard. I, I'll be honest. I think I've been asked about 75 hard, like three or four times at least on my, uh, Q and a sessions. And I feel like it's something that's so common and popular now. And I feel like I, I, maybe again, it's just like, it comes up in conversation and people like to tell me about that when I see them or meet them or whatever it is. But I feel like it's like once a week now, at least I hear about or talk to somebody who has done or who has tried or is know somebody who's going through the process of like trying to complete the 75 heart challenge. And for those of you who do not know what the 75 heart challenge is, you could do a quick Google search. I'll butcher it as there's kind of a lot of like Maybe it's not a lot, but there's a list of, you know, rules and things that you need to abide by for 75 days straight. And if you, let's say you go, you know, 15 days and you, you quote unquote fuck up on day 16, you have to start from day one over again. So, uh, as you can already guess, it's a very rigid, very extreme approach to, uh, changing your, you know, nutrition and your fitness and your mindset. And it's kind of built on this concept of like developing more mental toughness, which what does that even mean? I don't know. I think, uh, there's a lot of ways that we can, we can go with, uh, talking about the 75 hard, but I even remember a question. It was a few weeks ago too. Somebody asked like, why do you hate on 75 hard so much? And asking like, like, do you think you would be able to do it if you tried it? Um, so 
in general, I'll start like, hey, maybe maybe I do hate on it. Like I, I am very vocal about how I do not like it. I don't encourage it. Um, if somebody comes to, to me and they're like, hey, I want to do it and I'm going to do it, like, believe me, I will be on your side. And if you're making that, you know, from a, a kind of a level-headed headspace and it's coming from a good place, you bet your ass I will be there and we can we can talk about that and we can celebrate those wins as they come for sure. Um, but I definitely do like me being called out saying like, why do you hate on it? Like, I think that's a fair, I think that's a fair comment. Um, because I do come off as very, uh, um, uh, kind of pessimistic in a sense of, uh, when I talk about it, just partially because I've seen it damage so many more people than it has helped people. And maybe that's me dealing with people who have gone through it and working with people and people feeling like they're failures. And it's just, it's again, feeding back into that, like even orthorexia question we answered a couple questions ago, like kind of exacerbates and can feed into, you know, people who are overly obsessed with their health and fitness. And it's like this, this mold for people where they're like have to be perfect. And it feeds into this, like all or nothing mentality. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. I, I do, I, I'm not even going to say I hate on it, but I raise a lot of concerns and questions when being asked about it um, because, you know, it's my job more so to raise awareness around some of the pitfalls and some of the things that can come up when doing shit like this with your health and fitness, especially. And personally, I'm not a big fan of implementing like super intense and rigid rules for just a short period of time. Okay. Cause again, it just feeds into this like perfectionist mentality that a lot of people have. And especially when it comes to like nutrition and fitness, it can really just exacerbate that, like, you know, that on or off switch that, that their brain is, you know, operating on when it comes to their, when it comes to their nutrition. Now, again, we kind of touched on it previously, but I would say maybe the only pro, uh, in my opinion, that might come from it is, uh, improving your mental toughness or improving your like mental resilience, you know? And like, what I mean by that is like, it can really help people in certain scenarios set goals and actually commit to doing that even when they don't want to and doing that for a period of time that might be longer than what they would have done before. Um, but again, even mental toughness is super subjective and and a lot of people, I don't know. I just, I don't know what that means all the time. Right. And, uh, it's going to pertain to your own life in in, in various ways, but I just think that people can make their own challenge with way better and uh, more individualized and realistic habits that you can actually sustain for longer than 75 days. Okay. And the benefits of doing something for longer than 75 days is that you can actually reap the benefits for, you know, the long run and for the rest of your life, ideally. Um, you've heard me talk about sustainability and, and obviously like the goal of this is to kind of be a, uh, starting point. Like that's kind of, uh, Andy Frisella, whoever created, it. it's like this, like, Hey, you do this and then you will be a better person on the other side of it. And then you'll be able to continue those healthy habits. Like it's not this plan where it's like, Hey, you just do this for 75 days and then go back to doing whatever you were doing. It's definitely, kind of like a lead up or an introduction to doing things, um, that, you know, are done with the intention of like keeping long-term, but unfortunately that just doesn't fucking happen with most people. Um, and again, the game that I'm playing is that sustainability route, right? Like 
I, I want more people to play that game as well. And the further your habits and your actions deviate away from what's actually repeatable for you in the long run, the greater the chance that you have fucking five years pass by and you're doing the same like start and, uh, start and stop bullshit over and over again. Uh, and then you just kind of continue like running in this never ending hamster wheel, you know? So don't get me wrong. It works for some. And the people who do well on 75 hard will fucking tell you they've done well on it, right? It's this very, uh, and again, like I'm not shitting on people who have done it, who felt proud of it. Like I, again, I think it could be a really cool thing and I'm not shitting on people for doing it, okay? But it, again, it's like the people who succeed with it, the people who do it, they post their results, they talk about it, they, you know, they hype it up. But I guarantee you and I promise you, for every one person that you hear about having success on it, there's a thousand other people who feel even shittier about themselves because they failed to actually follow through with, with it, and 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 they're in a worse place because of it in often, um, in often situations. So, I don't know. I think, I think there's a lot of different directions we can go with this. It's hard to like, you know, buckle down because we could talk about a lot of different you know variables when it comes to 75 hard. But in general, like those are those are my two cents on it, and it's uh. It's not something personally that I would try or do at least right now. Like I trust me, I've been in the, I talked about, I've tried a paleo in the past and keto and I've done fasting and I've done all the hormone tests and the gut testing and the blood work and, you know, doing a lot of these things. Like I, I do feel like I've put myself through a lot of things so I can, again, have the goal of like going through something that maybe somebody else would go through so I can relate on some level with it and help people through that. If, if that's somebody I get to work with, just being able to speak from experience, I find a lot of value in. So I'm, I'm willing to put myself through some of these things. So I'm not going to nix the idea completely of like, of, of me, you know, not ever doing 75 hard. Cause I, who knows, like a year might go by and it's like, all right, maybe I'll try it and I'll give it a shot. And knowing me and my type A perfect, you know, perfectionist mentality, that is something, again, that would exacerbate that all or nothing mentality that I have in myself. And I just, I know myself and I don't always think that that would be the best thing for me. Um, so that's kind of why I'm not doing it now. In addition to just the idea that even this last episode I made, you know, just giving an update on my bulk and my gain phase and kind of the goals I'm working towards right now like doing 75 hard is the opposite of what I would need to continue to like be in a build phase. Um, and I say opposite. I don't, I, it wouldn't completely, you know, um, eliminate my progress if I did it. But part of the philosophy is like working out twice a day and you have to work out outside. So you're working out literally seven days a week, right? And you have to like follow quote unquote a diet for the time and taking cold showers. And, you know, there's again, a laundry list of things you have to do. But I'm thinking if like, you apply that to somebody maybe in my situation where I'm trying to eat more calories. I'm making sure I'm training really hard and that I'm taking enough rest days uh, and recovery days so that I can adapt and continue to progress in my training. And if I'm fucking out here busting my ass training two times a day, every single day, like that is going to, it's going to lead to maybe some overtraining. It's going to me, lead to me uh, maybe resenting my training to a certain extent. Um, it's going to be difficult for me to increase my calories even higher than what they already are right now. So again, you got to acknowledge that like, just because it worked for somebody else does not mean that it's always going to work for you in the current season of life that you're in. And again, there's, there's a lot of different roads that you could take to get to whatever goals that you're working towards for sure. But 
just acknowledge that like, Hey, 75 hard compared to what? Like, and then just being able to come to a place where, you know, you're making an informed decision for yourself. Again, I'm not going to be an advocate for 75 hard, but if you're in a positive headspace about it and you want to try it and you think it's going to help and you're needing better mental toughness and all these things, like by all means, dude, go for it. Um, but don't, just project your shit onto other people and think that just because it worked for you that it is going to work for everybody else, okay? Um, I think that's my biggest issue with it. Just like other things, right? Again, this this whole health and fitness industry is just so tribalistic, you know? Like everyone's in their camps. Everyone thinks their shit doesn't stink. Everyone thinks that what they do is the best. And I hear myself talking right now and I feel like I sound so fucking mean and pissed off. And I kind of am pissed off a little bit because it's true. I mean, it's just people just always talking about what is best for people without fully understanding what their lifestyles like, what their goals are, um, what their history has been, you know, where they want to be, what are they struggling with? It's just, that's the hard about giving. That's the hard thing about giving just blanket generalized recommendations to people is because it's not individualized. And unfortunately it, it just doesn't tend to work for people over the long run. Now, again, there's big principles and things that are good to do, you know, more often than not. But again, you just, I don't know. I just can't have, I just can't continue to just see all of these things on like uh, social media and people talking about how there's a best thing for everything. And yeah, I, I tend to see a lot of people say like, Hey, 75 hard changed my life. Great. And then it's like, you should do it too. Cause it worked for me when in reality it's like, you're not in a place where you have the authority or power to like recommend that or give unsolicited advice to people when again, in reality, like you could recommend something and maybe that person is struggling with orthorexia, like a couple questions ago. And then maybe that, you know, ends up in a full on or worse um, part of their eating disorder. And you are doing somebody more harm than good at that point. So I digress. I don't even know what I'm talking about at this point, but, uh, yeah, 75 hard. I don't love it. You know, I'm not going to shit on it and every aspect of it because I do think that there can be some good that come from it. But again, like the further people deviate away from like what's actually realistic for them and doing things that, you know, they could actually implement over the long term, like the further away they get from that in pursuit of like, you know, changing their weight or their, their body composition or their performance goals. It's like we're just kind of missing the point sometimes. Okay. So, okay. On to the next one. Uh, net carbs versus regular carbs. Now the question I'm guessing is like, what's the difference between net carbs and regular carbs? And long story short, actually not even a long story, uh, short story short net carbs just equals total carbs minus the amount of fiber of whatever is in your product. So an example could be like, hey, let's say you have um, uh, maybe a tortilla or something and it, it has 20 grams of carbs and then it has, you know, 15 grams of fiber in it. So the net carb would be the total carb minus the fiber content, which would equal five grams of fiber technically, okay? Now, I want to say that this is mostly just a marketing tactic to be completely honest with you. Like, if you're tracking all of the, the macros, like I'd, I'd still recommend you track all of your carbs, not just net carbs, because to say that like the fiber that you get from your food is always calorie free is not actually true. 
Uh, and yes, it might be less calories than the normal, you know, carbohydrate without fiber in it for sure. Like it, it, it might subtract some, um, but a lot of times it's just a, you know, talking about net carbs is just a marketing campaign that people throw on their labels because um, they can technically, you know, legally knock down the amount of calories that's advertised or put on their product on the nutrition facts panel and then entice people to buy it because of that. Okay. So I hope that answers your question. Uh, I don't know what the question was, but if it was just like the difference between net carbs and regular carbs. Yeah. That's pretty much it. Just subtract the total amount of carbs you see on that nutrition facts label minus the fiber content in it. And then that's your net carb. Um, Yeah, if you're tracking calories. Cool. Awesome. Next question is, and I think this is the last question too. Cool. Is there really any benefit to celery juice? I feel like... uh, I feel like this was a trend like five years ago. I, I don't remember when this was... Uh, super popular. I, f- I forget who made it popular. I've, somebody probably is. It's got to be like some celebrity or fucking maybe the Kardashians or uh, likely uh, related to some celebrity with a ton of followers doing some type of type of health trend that just makes this craze across uh, the nutrition and fitness industry. And I remember celery juice being one of those not too long ago. So I. I I feel like the ship has sailed. I don't know of a lot of people doing like celery juice like stuff or cleanses anymore. But uh, um, man, you know, my thoughts on it, like does celery have nutrients? Yes, 100%. It has some. Uh, is it is it magical? No fucking way. Like if you like celery, eat the whole celery so you can get some fiber with it and move on. Okay, but in general, I'm not the biggest fan of celery juice or other juices in general. Like, uh, and I say not the biggest fan. I'm not a fan of people replacing whole food consumption and just drinking the juice from whatever fruits and vegetables that they were going, um, that they would get from that fruit and veggie, right? Um, When you're drinking juice in place of eating whole foods, fruits, vegetables, that's when I have a problem. If you're doing this in conjunction or in addition to it, or it's your favorite Saturday, pick me up with your wife or whatever the fuck is going on. Like I'm, I'm, I'm all for that. And I'd be lying if I said, I don't do that sometimes. Um, speaking of it, like what if like, you're going to judge me maybe right now, but one of my like favorite childhood memories sometimes with my grandmother, uh, besides reading Berenstein bears, uh, was, getting her juicer out and we would sit on the counter and I would get to just annihilate this carrot and the celery and the apples and some of these other fruits in this really old, like 30 pound juicer. Um, and we did that a lot when I was a kid. So, so take it from somebody who has experience like juicing. I even like had a juicer in college at one point. Um, don't get me wrong. I think juicing is cool. Like I think, you know, if you're a greens drinker uh, or you drink athletic greens or other greens drinks, like I, I think that that can fit in your life too. But again, it's like, are we using that and drinking those things as a justification to not, you know, eat fruits and vegetables in their whole form? That's where I have a problem with this. Okay. Um, so anyway, I'm not the biggest fan of like juicing in general um, because it does remove the pulp and the fiber and some of the other nutrients that you get from those whole foods. And if we look at fiber, we know that that's essential and that's important for uh, your digestion, your gut health, your microbiome, um, 
you know, your uh, regularity and going to the bathroom. So uh, if we look at celery in particular, it's like 95% water or something like that. So essentially when you are juicing celery, you're getting celery juice. You're just drinking water that tastes like celery, which that I say it out loud, it doesn't sound that appealing. You know what I mean? So, and again, you can mix other fruits with that and have that cool. Sure. But like the whole celery juice cleanse, I I didn't get it personally. Um, yeah. And a lot of times, like when, when, when people add celery juice to their diet or any other types of juicing like protocols or do it at home, like a lot of times what you will notice is they're usually swapping out like uh, maybe a, a like a sugary drink in the morning or um, like a maybe like a cup of coffee or uh, like a you know coffee with a bunch of creamer and shit in it like usually when people have these juices they're replacing it with something else and when you swap out something like celery juice or regular juice when it's it's fairly nutritious right um, and maybe you add that to some other whole foods and and you're eating a lot of good things like it's likely that whatever you removed and replaced that celery juice with, um, that is the thing that's going to make you feel better um, than eating a fucking donut or having a Dunkin' Donuts coffee every morning or whatever it is. So um, it's not random, right? But celery juice is not magic by any means. And in my opinion, if you love celery so much and you want to drink it, by all means, go for it. Otherwise, I just recommend having some water, eat your veggies as usual. Maybe you have some celery, dip that in some peanut butter or ranch or whatever it is. Um, And I would just move on throughout your day if you're not getting enough fiber or vegetables as it is. So make sure you're hitting your fiber goal, your fiber target for the end of the day. And if you have room to juice on top of that and and you enjoy that, by all means, do your thing. Um, But me personally, if I'm just drinking straight celery juice, Man, I would I would gag every single morning if uh, if I had to do that. So cool. Hopefully that answered your question. That is actually the last of it. I only I think I only had five or six today. Hope this helps. Thank you so much again to everybody asking questions and and interacting with me on social media. It's been kind of cool to see you know some of uh, the interaction and the growth happen over the last year or so, especially since like doing this uh, on the podcast and. Um, that's really my goal is to interact with you guys as much as possible. So do not be a stranger. Do not be afraid to ask me questions. I'm here for you if you ever need anything. I mean that. Um, and again, uh, until next time, remember to eat with a purpose, train with attention, and think with confidence as you work towards your own nutrition and fitness goals. Appreciate you listening if you made it this far, and I will see you on the next episode. Peace. Thank you again for listening to this episode. If you found value and enjoyed it, it would mean the world to me if you posted a screenshot to your social media. If you do, make sure you tag me so I can say thanks. Or if you're on iTunes, scrolling down and leaving a five-star review would be much appreciated. And if you ever want to get in touch with me, you can always find me on Instagram at LukeSmithRD. Thanks again for tuning in, and I hope you have an amazing rest of your day. I'll see you on the next episode.